be with you all um, this morning. Uh, I realized after AJ introduced herself that I have in, haven't introduced myself in a few weeks. I'm Michael. Um, I get to work um, at our campus here at Call to Greatness. Um, and man, I'm, I'm really excited about this week. Um, it's something that I feel like God's really been building my passion for recently. Um, and the, the Kingdom U is going to be really, really great. Um, he's going to be talking about biblical worldview. Um, and you actually get to fact check me on Saturday because I'm talking about worldview today. Um, so if I say anything false, the, I'm sure Federer knows way more than I do. Um, so so be sure to, I'll be sure to be taking notes while I'm there. Um, but man, worldview. I feel like that's a word that gets tossed around a lot, um, especially recently. Um, and Hema, actually, last week when she was giving announcements, talking about Kingdom U, gave us a great picture of, of what world, worldview is. Um, she works at a glasses place. Emily works at a glasses place. I worked at that glasses place, and I made lenses in the lab, and it was super fun. Um, and worldview is the lens through which we see the world. It's the filter that we bring, we bring truth in through, and the way that we process it is our worldview, right? Um, so as a kid, as a, as a little kid, my worldview, you know, kids kind of just see things for the way that they are and just make assumptions off of that. And my, my funny story about that was I thought before there was color TV that the world was just in black and white. Yeah, I just thought that there wasn't, there wasn't color until color TV became a thing. Because, you know, my, uh, I hung out with my grandpa all the time, um, and we watched Three Stooges all the time. Every, I would go over to his house Sunday morning before church. We'd eat Cheerios and watch Three Stooges. Um, and the Three Stooges are in black and white. And so that was just my assumption of the world. I was just like, yeah, it was black and white, and then all of a sudden one day there was color, and that's how it worked. Um, obviously, that doesn't make literally any sense. Um, and my mind was kind of blown uh, when I found out that that wasn't true. Um, but literally, because I saw color TV, and, and, or because I saw black and white TV and black and white pictures, I believed that the world was black and white until that technology came into being. Um, and uh, yeah, so that worldview literally told me what was true, even if it was false. Um, and there are a few great de debates in human existence that, uh, like conflicting worldviews, um, are, are humans inherently good or inherently evil? Um, communism versus capitalism, right versus left, pro-life versus pro-choice, like all of these are worldviews that shape the way that we see everything around us and shape the way that we interpret everything around us. Um, I kind of wanted to do a breakdown real quick of, of this, this communism versus capitalism debate um, because it's interesting capitalism is, or communism is starting to make a rise again, even in the West, um, which is, is very confusing. Um, communism was actually birthed as a critique of capitalism. Um, it, was, it was believed that there are basically two classes that people exist in, the bourgeoisie, wow, I'm, I'm going to have to say that a lot today, so here we go, and the proletariat, all right? And capitalism, in the, in the communist view, is that the bourgeoisie, hey, got it there, got it there, is, is the ruling class that takes advantage of the proletariat as a means of production, right? Um, and this, this goes on, this goes on, the proletariat gets uh, tired of being taken advantage of, and so they lead a revolt against the bourgeoisie, and they assimilate that power and that, the, the wealth, 
and basically the classes just flip. And then one day, the new proletariat loses their minds and flips again. And so that's the way that capitalism is viewed um, from the, like, kind of the birther of communism. And so what they believed was that, hey, when we lead, let's lead a new revolt, but instead of, you know, taking over their power and their wealth and starting the cycle over again, we're going to eliminate private property. We're going to eliminate private wealth, eliminate private property, so that there's no, uh, there's no class structure as a whole, and so the cycle will be broken. So that's that 30-second summary of communism. And capitalism is viewed as bad because capitalism leads to endless revolts that, you know, are one group of people is downtrodden under another group under capitalism. Capitalism, on the other hand, is driven by supply and demand. So if you make a good enough product, then people are going to want to buy it. Um, if your product sucks, no one wants to buy it, right? Um, and if someone makes something better than you, so like if you're making a phone and someone comes out with a better phone, then your business is going to be ruined because people are going to buy that phone. And so capitalism pushes forward innovation, right? You constantly have to out-innovate your competitor. Um, and we, we see that in our world. Why do, they, why do our new smartphones come out every single year? I mean, I know you can say, oh, it's just the same phone with a new number on it, whatever. But if Apple tomorrow released a... Uh, brand new iPhone, brand new iPhone that was a 90s Nokia phone, no one would buy it, right? Because that's backwards. That's backwards in innovation, and so no one's going to want to do it. There's a risk-reward uh, aspect to capitalism as well. Um, so if you start a business, there's a lot of risk involved. There's a lot of upfront money that you have to come up with. Um, you have to have a really good idea. Um, and there's a possibility that everything you do will fail, right? Because, um, again, if the consumer doesn't want to have your product, then you don't have a business. Um, but there's also a greater chance for reward. Um, there's a really funny example of this when you look at Netflix. So Netflix founder Reed Hastings, he actually approached the CEO of Blockbuster in, two, in the year 2000 and asked for $50 million for his company, for the, for the controlling stake of Netflix. Um, John Aniaco saw Netflix, he's the CEO of Blockbuster, saw Netflix as a small niche business and declined the offer. In the year 2000, Blockbuster could have bought Netflix for $50 million. Um, as you now know, Netflix is a huge thriving company. It's worth over $176 billion. That's a lot more than 50, right? 50 million. And as you all know, Blockbuster has one remaining store in Oregon as a standalone because Blockbuster uh, went bankrupt in 2010 because they could not innovate. They could not keep up with um, the, the advancement of, of media streaming. And a former exec of Blockbuster was asked in 2013 why they didn't jump on the opportunity to buy Netflix. And the guy said, management and a good idea are two separate things. Netflix wasn't, was running out of money at the time. Netflix was losing money when it was offered to be sold. And so they were like, nah, I'm not going to do it. But now Reed Hastings is worth over $4 billion. So we see he took a risk creating Netflix, right? He, he took a risk in his capital, in his idea, and, and honestly the risk of failure. And it started as a movie mail service. Does anyone remember getting Netflix in the mail? Like, are there anyone in here that doesn't remember doing that? Huh? Oh, okay. Susanna doesn't. All right. I remember, I remember 
like waiting for Netflix movies to come in the mail and then being so disappointed when I had to mail them back like three days later. Um, but everyone fell in love with the idea and now they're the largest streaming platform in the world. So we have two worldviews here, right? Communism versus capitalism. Um, the US has literally gone to war to fight the spread of capitalism because the US sees it for what it really leads to. It leads to totalitarianism, political repression, restrictions of human rights, poor economic performance, and cultural and artistic censorship, right? Because if you believe in the system that, hey, we're, we've eliminated any means, any reason to motivate someone to revolt, and someone does revolt, you have to squash that as quickly as possible, right? Because then if that's true, if the revolt comes, then your whole worldview crumbles. Um, and so there's a lot of totalitarianism that happens in communist uh, countries. Um, and capitalism isn't without its faults either. Um, it can lead to market instability, inequality, short-termism, um, excessive materialism that we see in our culture today, and boom and bust cycles. I want to be very clear um, that one of these systems is much better than the other. Um, I, I used to get in political arguments with uh, Jonathan Huff all the time. Um, and, you know, I was very critical of, of capitalism because of the, the things that I mentioned. But he said something that was very, very insightful. He said, he asked, what leads to the most human flourishing? And I think that's a really, really good question. And I think we see the most that, that they, it's not a coin flip between the two. Humans flourish the most under capitalism, not as a perfect system, but as, as it is as a whole. And it's not perfect, but you know what it is perfect? The word of God. So the word of God is the only standard of truth in this world, um, and we need truth now more than ever before. Um, on, uh, before and after service, we have like these slides running that are just kind of general information that you need to know. One of those slides is our community groups, so I'm going to subtle plug those real quick um, because I have a story to share from one of them. But Wednesday nights, Bo and Age's house, 6 to 7.30, um, and then Friday nights at Jenny and Eddie's house at the same time, I, correct? Six, six, thirty, six. Yeah, yeah, they're both at six. So they're both at six, Wednesday, Friday. Um, pick, man, if you want to grow in your faith, if you really want to be a part of what's going on here at, at Bluemont and really be a part of what God's doing in Manhattan, man, get in those community groups. Um, so there's my, my, my subtle plug. Um, but we were, we were at uh, Bowen Ages this last Wednesday. Bailey and I go to the Wednesday night group. Um, and... Uh, I, I shared a story about, we were talking about how relative truth is in our culture nowadays. Like you can, any, any topic, there's going to be two people on either side of that topic that believe so strongly with everything in their being that the other person is wrong. Even if they have all the facts. Like even if all the facts are laid out pure as day, there's going to be disagreements. And I told them that um, uh, my wife Bailey, she made muffins for our son Roran, um, and it made a ton of muffins, and he's a baby, so he's not going to eat all these muffins before they all go bad. And so we're like, okay, we need to freeze them. Well, Bailey and I like to procrastinate, and so we didn't freeze them for like a good week. And when we went to freeze them, one of them had mold on it. And Bailey asked me, hey, like, do we need to throw these all out, or are they is just throw the one that has mold on it out? And so I looked it up. I went on Google, pulled out my phone, went on Google, typed in, does one moldy muffin uh, <laughs> does one moldy muffin ruin the rest of the bunch? Send. Pretty simple question, right? Very first, you know how like on Google it'll like give you a, a preferred answer or something like that? Um, the first one said, yeah, it's fine. Like 
you could probably eat the muffin that had the mold on it. Most molds that grow on bread are perfectly safe. Guess what the very next search result was? Do not eat those muffins. Throw them all out. Mold is very dangerous. It's airborne. It's all contaminated. And I just looked at my phone and I was like, this is the internet. Like, this is a perfect picture of the internet. Super simple question, two drastically different answers. But it's birthed out of their worldviews, right? It's, it's the, it, they, looked at, they looked at the facts. I'm sure that most mold that grows on bread is fine, but some mold that grows on bread probably isn't fine. And so the person who wrote, don't eat that bread, was very, very scared of the mold that's probably not fine and wrote that, wrote that article. Um, so let's just say they're in our freezer. Um, if we see any more mold, we will throw them out. We won't feed them to roaring. Um, <laughs> so all of these things that I've just rambled on about are examples of worldview and how worldview shapes what the truth that we believe is. My, my kind of question is that, man, since the world is so relative, man, how much more should we be listening to the creator of the universe to determine what is true? Our worldview determines what we believe, and what we, we believe determines what we value. And so, you know, it's not, it's not this topic of like, oh, you know, this is just, you know, our opinions or anything like that. Like, man, our worldview is the bedrock of our beliefs and the bedrock of what we value as well. Um, Dave Diefendorf, um, he's the pastor of our sister church in Kansas City, um, talked about worldview in Lawrence last week. Um, and he shared this quote, which I thought was, was really amazing. Um, it's going to be up on the screen. It said, when we don't know the story and the truth claims of God, we by default take the truth claims of the world as if they are true and make them our own. I'll say that again. When we don't know the story and the truth claims of God, we by default take the truth claims of the world as if they are true and make them our own. I think the by default is really, really significant because Honestly, we can, we can gain a worldview without even trying. We do gain a worldview without even trying. So we need a bird's eye view of what's going on around us. And if we don't get that view, we literally can't see when the things around us and the things in us are evil and wrong. Um, a few weeks ago, we hosted our Empower Conference um, for the college students. It was an amazing time. Um, we got to partner with the other campuses, um, build our faith, learn all about calling. Um, and Brendan gave the first message of the conference and he talked about this bird eye view. He talked about when uh, we need to get our eyes up out of the weeds to God's perspective, right? We have to raise ourselves up to see above the weeds that we live in to see God's view of the world, right? Um, each one of us was born into an established culture, right? We were all, most of us were born in the United States. Most of us were probably born in the Midwest. Most of us were born loving chili and cinnamon rolls. Come on, let's go. And so it's like, because we, because we were born into an established culture, there's a lot about the world that we just assume is true that just isn't. And so we need God to come in with his truth. We need to be replace that with, with God's truth. We are born as a people building a house on shifting sand by default. Um, so our theme verse for this series, Built on the Rock, is Luke 6, 46 through 49. I'll read it again. It says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, 
because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So our houses are often built on sand, and we need to dig deep and start our house on the foundation of God's word. When we start to follow Christ, he lifts us out of the context that we're living in and helps us to see what is good and right and true. Um, so we've laid out that each of us has a worldview, um, and as, as long as none of us are Jesus Christ himself, our worldview is a little broken. Um, and so there's this idea of a biblical worldview, right? God's perspective. What, what is that? Well, the New Testament lays out that there's really two kingdoms in this world. There's a kingdom of light, and there's a kingdom of darkness. Um, Colossians 1.13 says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Um, the, the kingdom of darkness is um, often kind of referred, in the Bible is referred in three parts. Um, it can straight up be referred to as Satan, the devil. Um, it can be referred to as our flesh, so our, our desires, right? And then it can even reference like actual earthly kingdoms. Um, and all three of those things influence each other. And then the kingdom of light is the kingdom of, of God's son, the kingdom that Jesus ushered in um, with his life and his death and resurrection. And so we have, again, two conflicting worldviews, right? In one of them, there is life and joy and peace and purpose. and the other, there is deceit and destruction and sin and suffering. Two guesses which one is which? Just kidding. The kingdom of light is the side we want to be on. Um, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 gives us an idea of what the kingdom of darkness brings. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Doesn't sound good. I don't, I don't want to be a child of wrath, Right? I don't think a lot of us want to be children of wrath. Um, but because we've been born into an established culture, we can be children of wrath in many areas of our lives, right? And so we have to take everything that we believe to the foot of the cross and really like weigh it with God's word and God's truth. So what do, what do we do, right? There's kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. I assume most of us want to be living in the kingdom of light. Um, so how do we do that? How do we live for the kingdom of light and resist the kingdom of darkness that is so prevalent in our world? Well, like I said, we have to unlearn the truth that we believed before, right? We have to know and follow God, and we have to resist the established culture that we were born into. And I don't think that it takes us very long to see where our culture doesn't align with God's truth. Um, Romans 12:2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Guys, our brains literally need remapping and rewiring. Through careful study of scripture and praying and learning from others, uh, other believers, God literally retrains our brains in how we see the world to see it more like he does. Um, Dave kind of uh, gave this illusion of like, how do you tell a fish what water is? right? A fish is in water its whole life. You have to, like, God takes the fish out of its perspective of living in water and is like, hey, look at what you were living in. And can put it back and change the way that it, the way that it lives. And he does that same thing with us. 
Um, so when Bailey and I first got married, um, I, was, I was a committed follower of Jesus, um, but there were still major holes in my worldview, right? Um, I remember one night, Bailey and I were sitting in our first apartment that we lived in together, um, and we were discussing uh, something that was going on in the world um, at this time, back in like 2018, 2019, um, Alabama was trying to pass a bill that would, we would refer to today as a heartbeat bill. Um, and so uh, basically what that means is that after six weeks, after the detection of a heartbeat, abortion would be illegal. Um, and especially controversial was that there was no provision for like rape or incest. Um, and so it was a pretty, pretty flat law after six weeks um, after a heartbeat was detected, abortion was, was banned. Um, and I would have told you that I was uh, pro-life, right? I would have told you that abortion is wrong. Um, but I had some ex- uh, exceptions in my worldview. Um, and this bill came directly against those exceptions. Um, and so Bailey and I got in an argument, right? And I was, sa- I was telling her how, like, this bill is unfair, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, she was like taken aback by what the things that I was saying. And after a lot of arguing, um, she said this thing to me that like really cut to my heart. She said, either human life begins at conception or there is no end to what killing we can justify. And it cut so deep in my heart because I didn't, my mind didn't believe it, but I knew it was truth. I knew what she was saying to me was truth. And uh, after that, she very seriously was like, hey, you need to get in the word. Like, you need to get a conviction for this topic because your conviction is very, very weak, and it's not going to carry you at all. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really, really good. Um, and so I got on the Word, right? I, I went to my Bible. I started reading um, and asking God for a deeper conviction about it um, because it was very obvious that I was weak. Um, and I went in the Word, and I read, and Scripture after Scripture of saying that, man, we are made in the image and likeness of God that he knew us before we were in our mother's womb, that he knit us together. And even the promises that he told Abraham of making him more numerous than the sands in the earth, that that promise was for us. Man, I no longer could rationalize that there were exceptions to those truths, right? That, that because of the circumstance that a, a child was, was brought into the world through somehow made them less relevant of those promises. And so I was like, wow, okay, God, like, change my heart. Like, change the way that I'm viewing this topic. Um, and he did. And, and I praise, praise him for it. I praise that ba- he put Bailey in my life to point me to that. Man, there were other faithful people in my life that pointed me to books like Love Thy Body. Um, read that book if you have not. It's amazing. Um, and my worldview began to change, and I began to see out above the weeds that I was living in. And God's word is powerful enough and willing enough to change our hearts, right? I believe that so strongly in my heart that God's word is willing to change us. Um, I've, I've recently been getting a conviction about the word um, while we're doing these, this 21 days of soap that our church is going through. Another subtle plug. Man, we got one more week of 21 days of soap. I think we, I think we have some notebooks over there still. Um, man, if you don't have one yet, grab the notebook. Learn how to soap. Um, you can go on our website on bluemont.church. And we have audio of all of our messages that, that we've had. Um, Rich, a couple weeks ago, gave us a great um, instruction on how to soap. Um, it's also in the back of the book. Um, man, it really helps you to process the things that you're reading in the Word. I think that was the hardest thing for me was that, you know, I would read it. I'm like, man, that's good. Good job, God. Those are some, those are some, those are some sweet words. 
But then I would, it would be like a day later, and someone would be like, so what are you reading in the Bible? And I was like, I don't even know what chapter I'm on. But SOAP, writing it down, like analyzing it, observing it, um, really helps us apply it to our life. Um, and so I've been getting this conviction about the word, that man, if we believe in Jesus and that he was crucified and he was raised from the dead, then we must also believe in the power of the word. Because guess what? Jesus is the word. Um, Bailey last week, in sec- the second week of, uh, of Built on the Rock, talked about the power of the word, right? And how the word is power. Um, and, and man, Jesus is the word. Um, in John 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Wow, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. All things were made through him. So God literally, like, made the world through Jesus, which is, like, bananas. Um, Jonathan a few years ago gave this message about God's word like just his word in general and like you can I'm going to get a little nerdy here uh, there's like there's this thing called cosmic background radiation that's literally like the, the evidence of the creation of our universe right um, and it's this like staticky sound if, you, if it's actually like put into an audio file um, but when it's like laid out in an audio file and you condense it it looks like the waves of a voice. And it's like, wow, we can literally see God's voice that he used to create the world in existence still. Like, it's still reverberating. Um, And so we have to renew our minds daily to what the word says. We need to let God's word come against everything we believe in. Everything. Like, we have to take every single thing that we believe to the foot of the cross and weigh it against what scripture says because of our, our broken worldview, right? Um, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 says that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So man, I read that as saying that like whatever is going on in the world, scripture has something to say about it, Right? Any, any political topic, any cultural topic, any, you know, thing that your, your roommates or your classmates are talking about, Scripture has something to say about it, if not necessarily directly. Um, Jesus said that all 613 laws in the Old Testament can be condensed down into two. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I think that also applies to the world, right? Everything that we can see in the world falls underneath those two commands but can also be found in scripture. Um, The Bible does not tell us how long we should be on TikTok. Right? It just doesn't. But you know what the Bible does tell us? It says, don't waste your time on useless works. Mere busy work. The barren pursuits of darkness. Expose those things for the sham they are. Ooh. (laughs) Come on. Like, that doesn't, that doesn't have the word TikTok in it. That doesn't have social media. That doesn't have screen time. That doesn't have, you know, time limits or anything like that. But, man, doesn't it say a whole lot more than those things, right? And there are an infinite number of things like this in the, word, in the world. And God is saying, come to me with all of it, and I'll give you the truth. Trying to discern what is truth right now as a non-believer is exhausting. 
even as a believer, it's kind of exhausting. <laughs> but, man, if we don't have the word of God, like, I don't understand how people are, are walking. Um, and, but Jesus offers us a light yoke of his truth. Uh, I'm going to share another quote um, from our boy, Deep. Um, it says, to the degree that we line up with God's reality in view of things, the more he can reveal who he is to the world around us. And to, de- to the degree that we don't line up with God's reality in view of things, we become fruitless and unproductive for the kingdom in the midst of darkness. Man, the more that we come in line with God's reality, the more God can be revealed to the world. And even almost more sobering, the more that we don't, the more that we, the, the degree that we don't line up with God's reality, we become fruitless and unproductive. I think that people um, like to critique the church just for the sake of critiquing the church. But, man, I think that the church has submitted to a lot of things that don't line up with God's reality. And I think that the church has kind of become unproductive in America because of it. And so it's like, man, we really need to, like, reassess what we believe. Man, I think even, like, in, in our church services, like, really look at everything and be like, okay, why are we doing this thing if it doesn't align with God's word? Like, what, what are, what's the point of doing this thing if it doesn't, if we can't find it in scripture or find something close to it in scripture? Because it's like, man, we don't want to be fruitless. We don't want to be unproductive. Um, and so we have to be renewed. We have to be renewed in our mind. We have to be renewed in our actions. Um, so yeah, are we going to do that? Are we going to let our minds be renewed into the ways that God sees the world? Or are we going to continue to live our lives unaligned with a Jesus sticker slapped on top? Like that, going back to Empower, Ashley shared a message about this kind of topic of like, man, so often people become Christians and just live their life as they did with a Jesus slipper, Jesus sticker slapped right on top of it. And it's like, and just hoping that people will ask like, hey man, why do you do this thing? And you're just like, oh, it's because I love Jesus. And it's like, well, your actions don't really, don't really show that. Um, so this is really like three things that we really need to do. We need to know and we need to follow God. We need to be in the word. And man, the last thing is we need relationship. We need people around us that, that expose our, our wrong thinking and encourage us into right thinking. If we go back to my argument with Bailey, man, that, the reality that I was believing about abortion probably would have just stayed for a lot longer. Like, man, I believe God is faithful to, to, you know, bring people into our lives that expose our worldview. But it's like, man, Bailey was the perfect person to do that to me, right? Or do that for me. To me, for me. Oh. And, and man, I was, able to, I was able to come to the word and allow God to change my worldview. I was able to go to the people in my, in my community, the people around me, and, and get wisdom and insight. That of which I wouldn't have had if I wasn't around... Uh, a body of believers. That's why we have the events that we do and why we think they're so important. Man, church, campus meetings, small groups, community groups, Kingdom U, even the spring break trip, man, those are opportunities for us to get around a body of believers and kind of bare our chest and say, hey, nothing's off limits, right? Like, nothing in me is, is defensible, Man, if you see something in my life that doesn't align with scripture, please tell me. Like, have, have the courage and the faith to tell me and have the belief that God will change my heart. And we need to do that for others, right? 
man, if we, if we see our brother or sister sinning or like, man, they just have this weird view of, of something that's going on in the world that doesn't sound anything that's biblical, man, we need, to, we need to have the belief and faith that God is wanting to change that in that person and we need to call it out. And so, yeah, it's that when we have that view, this community that, that we're in, no longer becomes just this friend group that we hang out with that, you know, I know I'm not going to get in trouble with my Christian friends, like we're going to, you know, play Smash Bros and eat pizza and it's going to be a good time. But it's like, man, we can view each other as partners in, in this ongoing development of our spirits, of our minds, and of theirs as well. And so, man, that translates to, you know, going out on campus or going out into the community. Like, man, I know that I can grab Glenn and we can go into the union and evangelize because, man, I know that his mind and his life is being renewed, um, and he believes that mine, and is, mine is as well. We don't host these things because we like each other. We do, but that's not the reason. Like, man, I would, I would not pay $450 to go to Tennessee just to hang out with Brendan. Like, I don't need, I don't need to do that, right? But I know that God is going to do something powerful in Tennessee, yeah. and so I'm going and God wants to do a mighty work in me, and he also wants to do a mighty work in others. And he wants to do something amazing in Clarksville and Nashville through our collective efforts and through our collective faith going to Tennessee. And man, when you view it that way, $450, nothing. That's nothing. I, so, yeah. I can't see where I believe false things, right? I, I, don't, I don't have the willpower or really the insight to self-examine me and be like, oh, that's wrong. Oh, that's wrong. Yeah, that's wrong. Because it's like, if that's been truth my whole life, I'm not going to see it. But others will. And others are going to step out and call me out. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need the people around us to sharpen each other. And we need to see each other as, as partners in this mission of God. And so, man, yeah, we need to know and follow God, we need to be in the word, and we need relationships. Um, yeah, our, our worldview is, is so important. It's, like I said earlier, it's, it's the bedrock for our beliefs and the bedrock for our values. And so, man, we need to, we need to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and really analyze each aspect of it and ask God in that process, like, hey, God, I believe this thing about Taco Bell. God, what do you say about Taco Bell? And maybe God's like, hey, bro, you probably shouldn't eat Taco Bell three times a week. And I'm like, okay, God, let's, you know, let's do this thing, all right? Change my heart. Change my heart. Give me the Chick-fil-A. I don't. <laughs> but, um, man, God is faithful. God is faithful to, to change our minds, to change our hearts. Um, and, man, as we, as we are renewed, we become more effective, Right? We become more effective in the in the work of the kingdom. Where's that? I want to yeah. I want to read this quote again as 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 I wrap up. So, to the degree that we line up with God's reality and view of things, the more He can reveal who He is to the world around us. And the, to the degree that we don't line up with God's reality and view of things, we become fruitless and unproductive for the kingdom in the midst of darkness. God help us to be productive. So God, we, yeah, we just ask, we, we come to you, Father, right now, um, and just ask that you reveal where, where, man, we're believing false things, God, where we don't see truth, um, and God, where we've, been, where we've been believing lies for a really long time. God, grant us the humility 
um, to come to you to be changed. Um, God, not to just confess our sins and then go on and keep doing them, but God, we just, that we would repent and we would turn from the false ways of thinking. We would turn from the, the lies that we've been believing and, and pick up the truth that you have for us, Father. God, we know that you are faithful and able um, to change us, to make us more effective, and, and to really see your kingdom um, come into its full purposes um, on this earth. Um, God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.